Well, good morning. You are the, the brave, the courageous, those who uh, are, are willing to embrace the heat that is Huntington Beach right now on a Labor Day weekend nonetheless and be here. Thank you for being here. It's good to see you. Uh, we are excited to do this series, and not just because I wrote the book. It's one of those things, like, have you heard uh, uh, singers, like musicians talk about, I just had to get this song out of me before I could move on with my life, you know, and they just had to get that song out and recorded, and uh, no, 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 uh, never mind. Uh, okay, no, no, this is, this is that way with that book. You know, I've, I've told you about my journey. I've told you about my life some, and Hillary, and losing her mom, and I'm, us moving up to Washington. So th- this, that event was ca- what catalyzed this, me writing this book. And so it's ca- kind of my best stuff for the last four years on, like, what it means to really make changes in your life and live a life that God intended and live with a sense of urgency. Uh, how can you, it's not going to be more morbid and, like, gross and, remor- you know, it's, it, it's more like how do we leverage the reality of death because there is a 100% mortality rate, and just, uh, sorry to burst any of your bubbles, uh, but you will die. So what do we do with that, and how can we live with a sense of urgency without having to have the tragedy, you know? And so that's what this is going to be about. So it'll be a great thing to bring people to. Hope you come. Did you see the banner across Main Street? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah, there's a banner across Main Street that's, you know, strung from side to side, right at, like, Main and Orange, right at the start of the farmer's market on Tuesday night, if you go to that. So you can say, we do that, and we send out mailers, and we have flyers, so that you, when people bring it up around you, or when you're talking to your friends, or their teachers, or whatever, you can say, oh, yeah, that's my church. You should come. It's cool. It's, you know, it's not weird, whatever. You just, you know, come and... The, the chairs are purple, but other, everything else is pretty, is pretty normal and cool. So that's why we do that. Banners, whatever. Hope you come and be a part of that. Have you heard the slogan? Uh... Famous last words. Those are famous last words. Have you heard that? Have people said that? So uh, I, I want to talk a little bit today about Jesus' famous last words. Before, before we get to Jesus' famous last words, I want to give you a little glimpse of some other famous last words. Uh, famous last words. Here's one. I love you too, honey. Good night or good luck with your show. That was Ricky Ricardo, also known as Desi Arnaz. His last words to Lucille Ball. They had been married, divorced, you know, this tumultuous, his last words on the phone, and then, and then, then, they're, then they're gone, right? Another one. One last drink, please. Appropriately, Jack Daniel said that. How about this one's funny? Surprise me, Bob Hope tells his wife when she asks where he wants to be buried. It's just, you know, just surprise me. I'll leave it up to you. The, the founder of Hilton Hotels, Conrad, when he was asked for advice, like parting wisdom, he says, leave the shower curtain on the inside of the tub. That's, that's, that's what I recommend for you, my family, my followers. And then probably my favorite one and most famous one, Todd Beamer. You guys ready? Let's roll, right? There's something about last words. They seem significant. It's the end. I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm going to another better place. And this is what I want to impart to you. And I thought it would be appropriate for us to pay a little attention this morning to what Jesus' famous last words are. We've been processing through this whole series on the Bible. We've gone from the very beginning in Genesis up until now. And Jesus is leaving and he's going in back to heaven. And he's telling us followers, disciples, the church, how then we should live, what we should do after he goes, and what this next act of the, of the epic story is going to be about. And so we're going to look at those famous last words. But before we do, I want you to repeat something after me. It's on the screen. Church is not just for me. It's through me. Let's say that together. 
Church is not just for me, it's through me. One more time. Church is not just for me, it's through me. Now, you can make an argument that church isn't for you at all. It's ultimately for him. He's God. It gives him glory. He's working out this mission in the world, right? But because he's so stinking generous and good, he works it out so that you and I get all kinds of benefits in the mix. He works it out so that we get community, we get excitement, energy, teaching that's fulfilling. He, we, he works it out so that we get to be a part of what he's doing, a part of what he's doing in the world, and we get all kinds of benefits. But it's not just for you. It is through you. And we begin to see that as we look at Jesus' last words. There are, before we get there, misconceptions about what it means to to be church and to do church. And that's why Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's saying, hey, 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 this is what I want you to be about. I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up um, being forced to go to church from a very young age. You know, like, like womb, infancy, toddler, child, all the way through. And I remember thinking of excuses that maybe I could get out of church at some point when I was a kid. My stomach wasn't really feeling good. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I have a temperature, I'm pretty sure. And I would do what I could to try to get out of going to church because we have in our minds this idea, don't we? That the church is some kind of like building with a steeple, which we clearly don't have. But, or that it's this hour-long thing that happens on Sundays, right? Or that it's this, you know, we, we like church better when there's an organ, or when the pastor doesn't wear sandals, or, you know, our idea of church is, is something like that. And I tried to get out of it in different ways because the church that I went to for a little period of time in my youth, I felt was really boring, and they didn't talk about stuff that related to me, and they used words I didn't understand, and the people seemed fake, and I was like, Mom, Dad, seriously, can I just, can I, can I you know, there's a football game on, you know, there's, <laughs> there's stuff, or I, I play soccer, and there's a club, I, I don't want to miss my club game because of church, you know, that's great. And so we have in our kind of American mindset this idea that this church is kind of relegated to the corner with the little white pickets and the, and the service that goes on. And so we have a tendency then to treat it like everything else we do in our life, like consumers. And so we evaluate and we, we look and we think, well, this kind of fits me. This, I, I kind of like this, but I don't really like that, you know? If you just, if you just had more like chocolate donuts, because, because these, you know, I'm tired of the crumb. Kind of like step it up, you know? Or, or the, the coffee is a little, it's not hot again, you know, whatever. If you guys have church and you have Gloria on the cello, I will be there every week, you know? That, maybe you're that kind of. Or if we have one more like, you know, electric thing, I am out. And so we tend to do that. We go to that place, and it's almost not even our own fault. I don't even blame you or me because of our culture that we live in. It's just that the consumer mindset is just where we are. It's just what it is. It's just how we think and what we know. And so, and so that's the starting place. And Jesus is speaking and, and kind of helping us understand that with that in mind. And so he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his people early on. And this is what he says. Remember, Jesus' last words. Pay attention. These are important. Verse 16, Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Stop there just for a second, because I want you to see that even his followers had doubts, right? You may, I'm just going to say it. You guys probably thought that we were going to 1130 already uh, this week. I'm so sorry. We start with, we start with the new schedule next weekend. 
It's our fault. It's, sorry, I'm, we probably didn't communicate. There, so come on in. Come on in. Look at these early adapters. Oh, and parking is bad. Oh, so sorry. So troopers, true dedicated followers of Jesus. And it's like 95 degrees outside. You guys are fantastic. Seriously, I know the thought crossed your mind. Bench Park, you know, cafe, it's right there. We could just go and eat. Why, really? We probably parked up there anyway, so. All right, we're talking about the last words of Jesus. Here we go. And they, so they're, they're there, and what I wanted to say about that little verse is that even people that were with him in close proximity had doubts. So you might be here, you might be just checking church out for the first time, you might have been coming to church for years, but you still have questions, you still have doubts, and it's clear that that's okay. Even the people that hung out with Jesus and like rubbed shoulders had doubts. It's okay in this journey to occasionally have doubts. We keep going. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. When he says all authority, he means all authority. He's saying this, I mean, these words have been used in the Old Testament and, and years before for God. And he's saying, I am God and I have all the authority, all the authority. So you got kings, you got rulers, you got presidents, you got politicians. I gave them the authority that they have. It's all ultimately mine. Everyone you come in contact with, I created them. Every place that you may go near, far, city, other country, other side of the world, my jurisdiction. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then verse 19, he says, therefore. And anytime you see that word, therefore, you want to pay attention because he's saying everything that's come up until this point is so that I could say this, right? So I have all authority. This is why I brought you. This is, this is my message that I've been living. I, I rose from the dead. I, you know, right? All, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, I have all authority. It's all mine. Therefore, go. Now, these good Jewish people that they're sitting here and they're listening to this right now, right, that, that are, are kind of in his midst, that he's hearing his voice, their frame of reference is the fact that they grew up reading the Hebrew Bible, being good Jewish boys and girls, and they understood this bigger story that they felt like they were a part of, that they understood that, that they had this kind of Jewish nation that people would come to. They built this temple, right, that people would come to. They would make pilgrimages to come and be a part to see that this, this one true God, and they would worship at this place. Last week, I showed you the picture of the temple and the courts and where different people could go and everything. It's because this was this kind of magnetic pole, and people who wondered about this one true God would come to Israel. It was like this magnetic draw. They, this is the people of God. This is the place where God was, supposedly. They would come there, and now Jesus is saying, yes, that's how this whole story has gone. We've been making progress chapter after chapter, and now I'm saying in this next act of the story, my instructions for you are to go. And that word literally means as you 
go. So he's saying, as you go about the life that I give you, as you go in a lifestyle kind of way, as you go in your neighborhood, as you go in your workplace, as you go in Huntington or Westminster or Seal Beach or Long Beach or Costa Mesa, as you go, be about this mission. I'll tell you what it is. Make disciples. In other words, help people be like you. Help people understand what it is to follow. Compel people, compel people to want to follow me too. A disciple is a little bit different than, than like than me as a kid who was like the five-year-old who said, you know, you know, prayed the prayer because the preacher guy on the stage was freaking me out about hell. And I was like, okay, 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 okay I get it. You know, me. And so you pray the prayer like for fire insurance and you're like, I, I got one. Being a disciple is like being a student. It's like putting yourself under the learning of this teacher and saying, I, I am following I am making a commitment with my life to, to follow you in your ways. So compel other people to join you in that. Live a life in such a way that it's interesting that people are compelled to also want to be followers. Now, what we're not saying is get a sandwich board and a megaphone and do what crazy people do out on the, you know, Main Street and PCH. That's not what he's saying. He's saying as you go in your life, the way you live, in the places you are, be about my business there. Live a way that's magnetic there. As you go and encounter people, your friends and family, coworkers and things out there, as you go, compel people to want to follow me too. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, just, just the symbolic symbol of, of being kind of standing up in a new life, being buried with Jesus and saying, that was my old life. Now I'm following and living a new life in him. All nations, when he says all nations, he's saying in Genesis 12, remember we talked about Abraham a long time back, father Abraham and many sons. And there's like actions to that too. He, God promised Abraham, there will, you, will be, you will be the blessing. I will bless all nations through you. And so Jesus, when he says this, is saying, here's how it's happening. You're going to go on behalf of me, and we're going to bless everywhere, all authority in heaven and earth, every, every, my jurisdiction, everywhere you go, we are going to bless. This is coming to fruition. All these promises, all these scriptures. And then he finishes by saying, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. And yet, moments later is when he went, you know, back into heaven. So how does that work? He says he sends his spirit. We talked about the, the spirit of God last week. But, but, but look, at the same time, we'll get into that in a second. At the same time, John is writing. You guys doing okay? We doing okay? We, we tracking? So, so it's really hot, right? And, and it's really hot. And in here is air conditioning, right? So you don't care how long this message goes because when it's done, you have to go back into the heat. I already know. You're like, oh, we're good. A couple of you still have fans in here. There is air conditioning, I promise, but there, we don't have air conditioning in our condo, and, and last night was okay. Friday night was brutal. Poor little baby Jack of like six, seven months tomorrow, like sweating through everything and his sheet and just like won't go to sleep. I imagine him like praying a little bit to God and saying, God, you know, thanks for life and my cool parents, and uh, thanks. That's, of course, he prays that, and so Thanks for milk. I like milk and the fruit that, you know, my mom mashes up. But really, no AC, you know? Like, what century am I living in? And I'm, I'm having this, you know, conversation. I know, it's, I know it's hot. Stick with me here. 
John, the, the, the guy that was with Jesus for a long time, he's recording kind of at the same time of life. And he says on the evening of that first week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they were scared because Jesus' body is now gone, right? And so the Jewish leaders think, okay, someone stole his body. This is a, this is, you know, this is a crime of some kind. This is conspiracy. That's the word I was looking for, conspiracy. We got to find it. And so the disciples are locking themselves in because they're afraid. And it says, at that time, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, like you do when you're, like, invisible. You know, you, when you, like, show up in a room, you're like, whoa, whoa, peace, 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 peace. It's okay, it's okay. It's Jesus. I look at I got it. You know. Peace be with you. He says it again in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. If you have a pen and still know what to do with it, circle as I am sending. As is a key word here, I am sending. He says, as the Father is sending me, I am sending you. As the Father sent me, I am now sending you. As, in the same way, similar to, just like the Father sent me, I am sending you. So how did the Father send Jesus? Humble, he came. He could have leveraged all the stinking power that he had for political gain to be the man, right? Came simple, came humble, loved people well, healed people, made outsiders feel like insiders, made people who couldn't see, see, right? Hung out with the lowest and the poorest and the wealthiest and made them feel like they were all the same. People that felt like they were way too far away from God, he made them realize, no, you are not. People that feel like they had blown up their lives too mad, you know, made too many bad mistakes. He showed them grace. He spoke words of hope and truth about the kingdom of God, about how God is near. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And then in verse 22, he says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So, when, you, when Jared said, hey, turn and you know, say hi to some people, you might have had somebody breathe on you that you wished hadn't. You know, I mean, there's, I try to have you know, like the gum back there so that I don't do that to you after the service. But you know, there's, something, there's something to be breathed on you have to be in close proximity to, right? It's kind of intimate, not in a weird way, but just in like a closeness way. A proxim- you have to be close to this God for him to breathe on you. God is close. And he showed that to these disciples, saying, I'm not only going to send your spirit, I'm going to breathe my spirit into you. Now, John, who's recording this, he's also giving us another glimpse. He's giving us a glimpse of the very beginning when God created Adam and breathed life into him. I have this verse right here from Genesis 2. Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So John is saying, look, look, do you notice? He breathed his spirit into them here, just like he breathed life into us in the very beginning. This God is the source of life. And when he breathes his spirit, when he puts his spirit in you, it's, it's time for a whole new life. He's bringing, he's telling the story, he's bringing it full circle. This is like the new creation part of the story. He did this once, we messed it all up. Now he came and died to give us a whole new start, and he's breathing on us again. He's breathing new life into us again. This is the way it happens. This is how we do the mission, because he breathes his spirit in us. 
And as you read the book of Acts, you should do on your own, you'll see how from that point on, these, these followers who have been just regular, boring, average guys, all of a sudden just change the world on a mission, empowered by his spirit. Read the book of Acts, but this is the spirit. I wanted to just give you another glimpse of it. 1 Corinthians 12 said there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. What I want you to see is that there is just one spirit, this the spirit of God, but it plays out differently in each one of us. When he puts his spirit in you, and if, and if you're new and this is a weird concept, it doesn't have to be. You just have a relationship with God, and what he says is that this time in the story, he's no longer in this far-off place, and he's no longer just one man, Jesus, but he gives his spirit to us. And he, and he expresses itself in all kinds of different ways. It, it looks totally different in different people. He gives us different gifts for that reason. We have people in here that have gifts musically. We have people that serve in different ways in the back, audio, visual. We have people working with kids right now that are gifted in different ways. And it's not just in here. Look, look at this next verse, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, so it is with you. You are eager for the gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel in those who that build up the church. So he gives us gifts so that we can be a part of building up the church. Church, the big church in this mission, this movement that he is doing, also this expression of it here, that our gifts are for each other. The church, friends, is not just for you. It is through you. And his spirit will play out in you in different and unique ways, different than it ever could through me or through anyone else here. And you have something unique to bring. We give you different opportunities here, right? Uh, serve in this way, serve in this way. Those are just simple ways to latch on to a bigger picture of saying that God wants to use you, that you are a part of this movement of God, that he is still telling his story. And it's as you go, be a part of it. Be building up the church. Be compelling others to follow Jesus like you. Give them what you know to give. Have, has, has he shown you compassion? Then be someone who shows compassion. Have you felt forgiveness from him? Then be someone who's marked by forgiveness. Has he filled you up with love? Then love liberally. Has he shown you mercy? Then be quick to show mercy. Has he given you a good mind and understanding? Then share that. In the ways that you experience him, you take him out. You show him. You, you bring that with you. You be you out there as you go. You don't have to have all the right doctrine. You don't have to, you don't have to know all the right things. You don't have to have it all figured out. As you go with what you know, with what he is showing you, just Invite others in. The church is not just for you, it is through you. I thought of one other little kind of easy, tangible example. So tomorrow is Labor Day, right? Labor Day, what do you do on Labor Day? I don't even know. Just don't work, you know, for the sake of Labor Day, right? But what if, what if Labor Day for us was Neighbor Day? What if you began, because people will be outside, it's hot out there. We already established that. People will be outside by the pool. They'll be doing stuff at the beach. What if you just took an opportunity to look for one neighbor that you could just have a, just some kind of simple encounter with? What if you just encouraged one person? What if instead of just pulling into the driveway, closing it, going inside and having your party, you just lingered a little bit, said hi to someone, asked them how they're doing, 
took some, you know, offered someone else something from your cooler, invited the other people's kids to the pool with you? What if you were a neighbor in some way? What if as you go today and tomorrow, you just show a little bit extra love? You just give a little bit of that hope that God has given you to someone else, just in a simple interaction, just in a regular way of life. Because we are not just consumers taking in a product that is church, thinking, well, I, you know, when they finally get like their own building or something, then, I, then I'll be there, right, you know? Or, or when, when, they, when they figure out and, you know, have donuts, or when they have this or when they have that, where, you know, if, if it plays out this way, if I just don't like that if this happens, and I, I, then I'm, I'm out of here. We, we do that, and we can be critical and of other churches too. That is not who we are because that is not the scorecard. The scorecard is simple. Are you compelled when you are here to go out there and bring hope and love and healing to the world? It's not about how many people here. We're stoked. We are stoked that we're going to three services, that this church is growing, that there's energy excitement, that God's brought all kinds of great, talented people here in different ways. But the real scorecard is what we do when we leave. Is are we the church out there? Are we, are we doing what he has for us? Are we inviting others in out there? You know that it's football season. And uh, some of you probably already watched a little too much yesterday, right? I mean, just be honest. So college football season started yesterday, NFL next week. I know many of you, not sports people, stay with me. When, when you talk to a football person, whether they were on a team, whether they just, you know, breathe and bleed USC, Trojan football or whatever, when you talk to somebody that has been a part of one of those two, what do they love? Their closest friends, their best memories are from those days, right? From those, that team, that locker room. Or you talk to veterans from the military. Who are their tightest relationships? People that they have been to battle with, right? People they have served with. So it is with us. When we see that we are on this common mission, not to win a silly game that we dedicate our whole selves to and practice for all these months, but for life that God has te been telling this story throughout history. And now is the time where he puts his spirit in us and uses us uniquely to advance this mission that he is still telling, to invite others in, to bring hope and love and peace to the world around us. And you have a unique role to play. And as you step into that mission and that story, you will see your relationships with others get so deep. That is why people have such good relationships here. It's not because they're fake and go through the motions. It's because they're in. We are in this together. And you will see that you will grow and you will have strength in relationship. The more you step in and say, hey, I, I just want to be a part of what God's doing. I don't want to be a consumeristic person like I, you know, Christian, like I do in you know, the other areas of my life and how I buy a car, I shop for a church. I, I want to be in for what God is doing in this community. I want him to use me. I'm not eloquent. I'm not going to be out on the street passing out tracks or whatever crazy. But I am going to use how he's made me as I go. And in doing so, and as you are a part of this, as we are building up the church in the city together, you will see not only your life change, but other lives change and your life deepen in with the lives of other people.
It's just part of how it works. I want to read this last verse, these few verses over you. Ephesians 2, 19 and 22 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, members of God's family, built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles and Abraham and everything throughout history that's come before, built on that foundation and with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to be seen by all in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to be a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. You are being built up. We are being built up together so that we can be a part of the story that he's telling, this mission in the world. And your relationship with him will deepen, with each other will deepen, and your satisfaction and fulfillment in this life will deepen the more you realize that this is not just another consumeristic activity that I participate in for an hour and I check off, well, yeah, message was good today. Oh, I didn't like that one song. It is a movement in the world that we get to be a part of. You get to be a part of. And the church is not just for you, although you and I get great benefit. It's through you. It's through me. I want to finish the service a little bit different today. Would you stand with me? I want to ask you to just do something that's a little bit, a little bit different, maybe a little bit bold for some of you, but I want you to visualize where we are in this theater, in this community, and where you live outside of this place. So I'm not sure exactly where that is. In fact, I'm a little directionally uh, challenged. So, and I think that God's got it covered, so if you get this wrong, it's okay, but I want you to kind of just like shift your body and like face the direction where you think that you do life. So if you're from the harbor, it's maybe that way. If, it, if, you're, if you're a Main Street person, it's that way. If you're a Bellaterra person, that, just face the direction where you think you do most of your living. And I want to ask you just for 30 seconds to pray for that area. Ask that God would use you in that area. In the way that he's made you, that as his spirit causes you to go, that you would invite others in, that you would live in a way that others are drawn to Jesus, that you would live in a way that just brings people hope and encouragement, that expresses God's love, that you would participate in his ongoing mission in the world and that he would use you. So for the next few minutes, just or for the next just few seconds, just pray in that space and then Jairus will lead us, okay?